You're listening to Cross Currents from KALW News. I'm Hanat Baba. Next up, it's Hey Area, our crowdsourced journalism project where we find answers to the questions you ask. Britt Bird wanted to know... Why does San Francisco have the Farallon Islands or the Farallon Islands? They're 30 miles off the coast, but they're legally part of San Francisco. What's up with that? KLW's Joshua Sorotiak went to find out. Well, Britt, first off, I'm pretty sure it's Farallons. Don't worry, it's a tough word. They're these islands off the coast of San Francisco, and Britt noticed them on the internet. I had a very boring job where I would just spend a lot of time on Google Maps a lot of times. One day, he was looking at San Francisco and noticed the county line jutting 30 miles out into the ocean and circling some tiny little dots. And you go, wait, wait, wait a second, what is that? Even on a clear day, you can just make out the islands from the city. They're like jagged teeth sticking out of the Pacific. To understand why they're part of San Francisco, you first have to understand what they're like. So I went to the visitor center for the Greater Farallons National Marine Sanctuary. Head north on Merchant Road. Okay. It's a Chrissy Field in the Presidio. How's it going? Hey, you found us! Yeah, I was, uh, I got a little nervous coming down this access road here. These days, the islands are protected as a national wildlife refuge, and only a handful of people get to set foot on them. One of those lucky people is Mary Jane Schramm. She's the sanctuary's public outreach specialist. Schramm says that out near the islands, deep ocean waters drift up to the surface. Bringing all those nutrients up until, you know, the area just below the surface where sunlight can penetrate and that just bursts into this tremendous productivity. It's like sunlight on your garden. And what's growing in that garden, as in all gardens, is life. Lots of it. There's algae and plankton and they attract fish. The fish attract seals, sea lions, birds, and even great white sharks. So the water around the islands provides food, and the islands themselves provide a place for the animals to breed and rest. They function marvelously as a bed and breakfast. Back in the day, all those animals attracted people. In the early 1800s, Russians started coming to the islands to hunt the seals and otters for meat, pelts, and blubber. Then, in the middle of the century, the gold rush began, and... All of a sudden, San Francisco went from nothing to being a big city. This is Carl Nolte. He writes the Native Sun column for the San Francisco Chronicle about the area's history. He says that during the gold rush, there were so many people flooding into the area that there wasn't enough to eat. A pharmacist and his brother-in-law had an idea. They didn't have any chickens or anything here. So they went out to the Farallones and raised them for eggs from the common moors. One of the many seabirds that nests on the islands. And sold them in the city for a dollar a piece. And a dollar in 1849 was like $50 now. <laughs> Actually, I checked. It's closer to 35 But you get the point. Word spread of how much money the two men had made and others started going out to the islands to harvest eggs. Demand for the eggs was so great, the competition turned violent. Historians call it the egg war. Now, eating these eggs doesn't sound too appetizing, at least to me. When it's cooked, the white remains translucent, but the yolk turns a bright red. But people ate them anyway. Nolte says there was even a famous dish called the Hangtown Fry. You can still get one today, but made with plain old chicken eggs. You ever have one? It's, it's not good for you. I mean, it's got eggs and bacon and... Oysters all squished up there and fried up. You don't eat two of them. So when San Francisco went from a sleepy mission town to a booming gold rush city overnight, the population needed something to eat. The Farallons were where they found food, so it makes sense that they would be included within San Francisco's boundary. You could say it all boils down to basic economics. In San Francisco, I'm Joshua Sorodiak for CrossCurrents.
Joshua Sorotiak is a fellow in KELW's Audio Academy class of 2020, and we're currently accepting applications for the next class, 2021. So if you want to learn how to make radio, become a better storyteller, and serve your community, find the application information at KELW.org. <laughs>